Welcome to the Ecom Wiz Podcast, a podcast that helps Amazon sellers to dominate the marketplace. And I do mean dominate. Dominate. Each week, we deliver the best interviews with some of the top Amazon influencers in the industry. This is the Ecom Wiz Podcast. Hey everyone, it's Rob Stanley with the Ecom Wiz Podcast. And today, my special guest is Taylor Bentarude. He's founder of Better AMS. Hey, Taylor, thanks for being on the show. I appreciate it. I appreciate you having me. So Taylor hit me up about being on the show and I was, I was actually went out and watched your videos on YouTube and you have some really in-depth information that people need to like know about. And, and I hope people will pay attention and listen to the rest of this podcast or watch the video because we're going to talk about how to optimize Amazon keyword advertising with reports. Now, that may at the top level sound very not interesting, but I think that people don't focus too much or, or they should focus more on some of these reports available to them, right, Taylor? Yes, bid optimization is, I mean, extremely important, but understanding the optimal time frame that you should change your bids off of is super in the weeds and no, not a lot of people talk about it. Absolutely. So I was watching this uh, video that Taylor did and he started finding like these weird discrepancies and these weird sort of, uh, well, what would you call them, Taylor? Um, well, the Amazon, uh, Amazon advertising sales attribution window is, there's a huge lag. Basically, do you want me to run through what we did? The little experiment? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Give them at least a high level of it. Okay. So high level, what we did with the experiment, imagine that, um, we today's date is July 2nd and we pulled the advertising sales for yesterday and we pulled the advertising sales for July 1st every day for 14 days and that's it. And what we saw was if the advertising sales on July 1st, like the first day we pulled it was a thousand dollars, 14 days later, when we looked at the advertising sales for July 1st, uh, halfway through the month, it said $2,000. So there's a huge delay in the actual sales attribution. And we did this across 30 accounts and saw each account had totally different varies of when this actual sales data started to roll in. Yeah. Yeah. And that was kind of weird, right? And, and it, at, at this point, you still haven't really figured out why, have you? So what, when, when I spoke with the one rep and there's many reps with different opinions, it's, they'll just classically tell you, Oh, it's a sales attribution. There's just a lag. Some people will click add to cart, whatever. And purchase 14 years later that makes sense but when you pull like that that test i explained is just one test and we didn't necessarily figure out why but what we did figure out is that when you pull the campaign performance report which is one of the reports in your sponsored products advertising or sponsored brands it'll basically tell you the total sales for all your advertising for that ad type let's just say sponsored products if you pull it for the last seven days and then you pull the last 14 days the last 21 days the last 30 days what you'll see is like the last 14 days, we saw this across many accounts, last 14 days total sales shows like, I don't know, let's just say $80,000. And then last 21 days shows like $64,000. So for some reason, when you increase the amount of time, the sales actually went down um, and no one could really give us a clear answer on why. I thought it was just because of refunds, but no one would ever actually tell us it's because of refunds. So hopefully someone listening has the, the actual answer as to what that is. Um, <laughs> so it's still a mystery right now. It is still a mystery, but the reason why we did this deep, deep dive and for anyone listening, it's, a, it's really important is just optimal timeframe to base your bid changes off 
is about 30 days from what we saw. Through all these discrepancies and all this like weird inconsistencies and the huge sales attribution lag that comes from your PPC sales, if you can bid, base your bid changes off of the last 30 days of data, it's a safer bet than the last seven days. Drastically safer, like drastically safer. I would never change a bid on the last seven day time frame ever for a keyword that has a lot of data. So last 30 days is optimal. Yeah, and I think you were even mentioning that you were, I, I think you were tracking a little bit of data of somebody who prior to that seven days may have stopped bidding on that keyword and it may have been a successful keyword, right? Yeah, so what's crazy is like, if you have an account, which we have many of these accounts that we manage where let's just say today, the sales of the keyword shows zero sales and $25 in spend. But seven days later, when we look at the sales of that keyword seven days later on that specific day where it said zero sales and $75 in spend, it actually had $500 in sales. And so if you base your bid changes, God forbid you're basing it on yesterday's time frame, that would be the worst thing ever. But even on a seven day time frame, it's quite risky because if you wait an extra seven days, the sales of that keyword might actually double in a very drastic scenario. Usually it's only about a 10 to 20% increase, which is still a lot. Uh, and that can fluctuate your A class into a level that is actually healthy where you would have never changed the bid. So time frames, man, it's like different dimensions. <laughs> yeah, for sure. For sure. And then just real quick before we keep going on, uh, there will be a link down in the description on both the podcast and the video to the video that we're talking about that you went really in depth. It's like a 20 minute video. Yes. It's really in depth. Now I did have one other thing. I was watching that video and I asked uh, Taylor about this and he was talking about, I, I think it was like revenue you were talking about, like different revenues at different points. And you brought up a good point when we were talking about it, about where there's certain levels that you see a better acceleration of a return on your money when you're spending a certain amount. Was that right? And tell them a little about that. Well, what we've seen generally, and we did this study across like 34 accounts, um, the accounts that had only about a few hundred dollars, three to $500 per day worth of sales coming in from their PPC every day, didn't see much of a sales attribution lag. So there wasn't uh, like those accounts didn't really have any change um, through, through like a two week period. Um, but the accounts where you're generating over a thousand dollars per day in sales from your PPC, that's when you start to see that there's like a 20 to 25, even 30% um, lag in the sales. And again, just to re-explain that, what I mean by that is if you look at the sales on July 1st and it says a thousand dollars for that day, 14 days later, it might actually have been 1500 just because of the sales attribution. Yeah. And I mean, not to take this out of context, but I kind of saw that in Google too. When I would do Google AdWords back in the day, I really? would see occasionally, yeah, I actually would see something like that. Not that drastic though. Um, but I yeah. would see like it was, you know, I'd go back and look and I was like, wait, all of a sudden, instead of that spending a thousand dollars that day, it said, you know, maybe it was 1100 or 1200. And so, so did, Amazon give you an explanation other than the lag or they're just pretty much just sticking to that? No, it's, I, I mean, the problem is, is that every rep will tell, will say something different. Um, I, I don't really, we don't really have a contact that I feel I can really trust. That is like the guy that knows for sure how it works. <laughs> I think everybody has this dream of like knowing that guy and no one really knows who he is. Um, so I, I don't want to say anything specific, but I got a lot of different responses, um, primarily from just like three people. And 
one person said it might be refunds. I'll get back to you. They don't get back to you. And I don't have the time to continuously follow up and try to pastor them. So we don't know what it is. I think it is something to do with refunds because you don't, that, that it doesn't make any sense why you would look at your advertising sales last 14 days and it says $80,000. But then when you look at last 21 days, it says 60. How does it go down by 20 grand? Like there's accounts that even where it goes down like 50 grand. And I'm thinking to myself, how does that work? How is there's no, that doesn't make any sense. So I think it's refunds. I have no idea. It, 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 it's pretty mind boggling, but the takeaway is bid base your bid changes for most of your keywords off of last 30 days. That's like the safest bet that you can have. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. And then, so as far as reports are concerned from Amazon, are you, uh, which reports are you pulling? Uh, uh, is it just one report or multiple that you usually look at? Maybe help everybody out with, you know, if they want to try to kind of dive into this and look at their own, what reports are, uh, would you recommend? Well, if, if you want to understand how bad the sales attribution lag is on your account to know if this is an issue or not for you, really, you don't need to pull any reports. You can just go into campaign manager, look at the sales for yesterday. And then at the same time every day for the next 14 days, look at the sales for that specific day and just track it in a spreadsheet. And then you can see the percentage change day over day from the day one to day 14. But if, you, um, if your question is more centered around what reports can people utilize to get better performance out of the PPC, is that like the actual question? Sure. Then Let's go to that, that response, <laughs> I would say the search term report is probably the most important report. I mean, just because you have the customer search term data there, which... I've been talking about this for years and I've just said it so many times, but it's funny how few people actually really understand the importance of the search term report. Um, what we do is pretty simple. You just download your search term report last 30 days. You should do this at least once a month. It's the most fundamental thing in the world. Download it last 30 days, add a column that will tell you what customer search terms are unique. So you have customer search terms and you have the keywords um, keywords are the keywords that you're bidding on. Customer search terms are like the actual customer search terms that show up based on the mm -hmm. extensions of phrase match or broad match. Um, and then just find the unique customer search terms. And that's it. Filter by unique customer search terms. There you go. You have your list of golden keywords that are unique. And then you can filter the sales by greatest to least, a cost within whatever threshold that you have. And now you have a, literally a spreadsheet of gold that is telling you, hey, here's a list of 100 keywords that have performed and they cost less than 25%, which might be your target. And they've generated $20,000 in sales and you're not actually bidding on these keywords yet. They're just extensions of the keywords that you are bidding on. And we've found that by actually bidding on those keywords, it will help boost your sales. So maybe not 100%, but maybe 20 to 25% at most um, because you're telling Amazon, I wanna give this keyword more traffic. So that's just the ultimate, do that and you're covering pretty much all your bases, at least for your reports, I would say. Yeah. Anybody doing Google advertising, they have that same report, by the way. And the only reason I keep referencing it is because that was really <laughs> where I have more experience as far as advertising and keywords, Yes. but they do have a similar thing. I would go look and I would see what keyword term brought them to the website that got them to check out exactly. how high, you know, what was basically, uh, what was bringing them in. Right. And how was it basically doing? Was it, it was bringing them in, but maybe, it was a wrong keyword, right? So at least in Amazon, and I'm sorry, in, in Google, I was able to actually put negative keywords in where I could say block from certain terms um, because I mean, my company is direct fix. You wanna know how many times direct TV showed up in my search terms? All the time, right? So 
I had to basically negative or tell them that anytime it has the word DirecTV in it, do not go to DirectFix. So, you know, that's definitely, but I found a lot of good keywords that I was able to jump on and basically drive more traffic through and basically add more fuel to the fire, so to speak. And, and that's basically what you're saying, right? Yes. The other thing I'll say is it's not a push button solution to double your business from what we've seen across all the, primarily we work with seven to eight figure brands on Amazon, some six figure sellers that we think have a lot of potential that are borderline seven figures. But on average at that level, you're looking at the advertising sales, making up a healthy 30% of your total sales. And I've seen it go up to 50%. Usually it doesn't go any higher than 50. So if you're thinking to yourself, okay, I'm doing $100,000 a month right now. What kind of potential could I increase my business by like the monthly sales with better PPC? Well, just look at what your ad rev percentage is right now. If you're doing 100,000 total per month, how much of that is advertising? If you're only getting $10,000 out of that 100 from ads, you got a solid percent, you got a solid room to increase your monthly sales by at least 10 to 20,000. Yeah. at least within, within a healthy ACoS. But when you get up to 50% ad rev, I don't even think that's healthy. And I, I know some sellers that run at that level of like revenue. I, I don't recommend it. I think if you're at 50% ad rev, you need to start launching more products <laughs> Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and diversifying. Right. Take that money and, and bring in more products for sure. Yeah. That's the one way to do yes. it. And, and so what, what are some ways sellers can fully utilize their data in their search term report? Yeah, I mean, really, the one I just described is the main way to help increase the sales, right? Leveraging those unique customer search terms that you're not yet bidding on. The other flip side is, of course, killing the ones that aren't performing well. Now, we could probably do a seven-hour series on how to do that because <laughs> we've been doing this for four or five years, and it seems to never be never-ending ways on how to optimize the not-performing-so-well keywords. Um, <sighs> I, I, I don't want to dive too deep into the weeds, but primarily what we'll do is let's say that we'll, we'll have a target ACoS if the client's target ACoS is 25% at the account level. Yeah. Okay, there's different dimensions. You can have account level target ACoS, product level target ACoS, you know, keyword level, but let's just say account level is 25%. Any keywords that are above 25%, we'll just make sure that we're, we have bid formulas that are running twice a week, at least changing bids on all keywords that perform above that target ACoS level. If you're doing bid optimizations only once a week, I don't think it's enough. I think you should at least be doing it twice a week, ideally more. Uh, but we, we have software that runs just twice a week and we've been doing that for years and it's, 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 it's more than enough. It's fine. Um, so yeah, leveraging some form of software or using bulk op operations and building your own bid formulas. I, we, we could talk about bid formulas. I don't know uh, if, if, if that's a juicy topic it's quite in the weeds we might lose some people talking about bid formulas maybe give them a high level of of it uh, so we don't lose too many people <laughs> yeah well first of all to create a bid formula you're looking at a lot of different variables time frame is one of them a cost is another one the product is another variable i mean building bid formulas is quite a complex process where you how need a certain level of mathematics to do it. Most people, here's, I'll just speak high level. Most people, when they go and they think about a bid formula, they use these IFTTs or if this, then that statements yep. where it's one dimensional IFTT, which is what, how I think of it. If this, then that, if it has five clicks and greater than $10 in spend, reduce the bid or pause the keyword. In my opinion, this is okay up until you get to about seven figures you're losing a lot of money if you're still doing some if this then that statement yeah. uh, 
with your advertising. You need more powerful formulas that will look at multiple layers of if this, then that across multiple different variables, but also not just do a random kind of, I would almost call it arbitrary bid change. Um, what you can do is I, I'd have to read the formula if people really want to take it, but there's one, there's a couple formulas we have. There's one that's really good for re reducing bids that is optimal, which I think I discussed it on the YouTube channel. So probably better people just go there and find yeah, it than well, me trying to probably good idea. lay out a, a formula. Yeah. Nice. Nice. So uh, why don't you talk a little bit about uh, what about keywords when, when you guys do, do you do the research for the companies that you guys represent for finding the keywords and we if you do. do, what like are you guys using software to do it? Or are you just going looking at their data? How do you guys do the keyword research? So the first thing we do, because normally we're coming into a seven or eight figure account that usually is spending a hefty amount of advertising. They're already generating a lot of sales. The very first thing we do is we go with the low hanging fruit. We pull that search term report and we do exactly what I said in the beginning of this, this interview where we find those unique customer search terms. That is the low hanging fruit. I don't care if you're doing $100 million a year on Amazon. I'm going to do that. That's the first thing I'm going to do because it's going to help you grow your business the fastest and the easiest. So that's where we start with the keyword research is we just start with the existing data. But if we come into an account that doesn't have any existing data, yes, we, we will use, I think we use magnet with helium 10. We used to use merchant words. We transferred over recently. Um, I guess our team just liked it more. I don't know what the specifics are, but uh, we use magnet and primarily we'll just find that we call it the golden seed keywords where it's just seed keywords that will produce the best, most relevant keywords for that specific product. So if you're selling like an ice cream scooper, we work with a, an amazing brand that sells stuff similar to that. And um, we'll take that seed keyword. Usually it's the essence of what the product is. So if it's a microphone, the seed keyword is probably microphone. If it's an ice cream scooper, it's whatever that is. Yeah. But you take that seed keyword and you find the synonyms to the words within it. So if it's ice cream scooper, um, you can probably, find a synonym to scooper and use spoon or use, um, I don't know, spatula or whatever. There's weird keywords that people search that's, that allows you to go deeper than the surface level. So that's how we do the keyword research. We find that golden seed keyword. Then we find the synonyms throughout it and just play around with those synonyms and plug it into magnet uh, or a reverse ASIN lookup. And um, that's primarily where we do the keyword research and how we do it. Yeah. What about long tail keywords? So generally that will produce a solid amount of long tail keywords. So there's filters within magnet, which is partly why I liked it a little bit more than merchant words. I, I don't know if merchant words does this. I haven't logged in, in a while, but you can filter the amount of uh, the word length of the, the search term. Um, we don't put it more than, I think the filter that we have is two or one to seven. So seven words within the term, um, because from what we've seen beyond seven, I mean, you think about seven words, or it's like ice cream scooper for my kitchen. I think that's like six. You add another one. That's like, it's like as long tail as it gets. And there's yeah. just not many people searching that long tail of stuff. But uh, no, that, that, those seed keywords with magnet will cover your bases and find you a lot of long tail keywords with 50 or 100 searches per month, which is generally where the long tails sit at. Yeah. And, and then w what about also being descriptive? Like I talked with uh, uh, Norm uh, for our uh, one time and yes. we were talking about like long, yeah, we talked about long-term keywords and he was talking about, you know, being specific too. Like, you know, uh, say it's a red scooper versus a yellow ice cream scooper, you know, like you've got to, of course you have to have that though, right? Like you don't want to put, go start advertising for a red ice cream scooper and yours is white, you know, and you only have white and you don't have red, you know, but <laughs> 
Have you also found, let me ask this though, a two-parter. So talk about that. But have you also found that if you see a good keyword, do you go back to your customer and let them know that, hey, bunch of people are looking at red ice cream scoopers. Maybe you guys might want to make a red one instead of a white one, right? Have you ever done that? I, I would say yes, I have done in the past. I, I've, I haven't been working with clients directly. I mainly work on the business now. So, but I think definitely the account executives in the, in the agency are doing that. Basically giving insights to the client saying, hey, this is a keyword that's converting really well. Probably we should think about launching this variation or adding this variation. But you'd be surprised. Something like red ice cream scooper bidding on that and you have a black one, it's surprisingly probably still going to convert really well if you have a great listing. Yeah. So we don't worry too much about being perfect with the product lining up exactly with the thing. We'll just throw the mud against the wall. If it sticks, it sticks. If it doesn't, it doesn't. We'll make sure to cut it out. I mean, fortunately we have a good bid management system, so we can just throw mud at the wall and then the automations take care of it. But um, I wouldn't get too specific or too granular um, I like it sounds of the coloring and whatnot, sure. at least in the beginning. If you're, if you're spending a ton of money, you want to go that far, go for it. Yeah. yeah. It probably yeah. depends on the product you. too, right? Like an ice cream scooper, I wouldn't Correct. care. Right. You know, it's like, yes, I'm looking for the best deal on it as a, a buyer, you know, as long as it function and it does what I need, it, there's other products that might be a little more specific, right? Like, I don't know any example. Off Address, top of my head, but clothes. Yeah, you know, clothes, like exactly. That. That's where a it's red shirt versus a black shirt is going to be a lot different. Yeah. That will hurt your conversion rate quite a bit. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I could, I could definitely see that. Yeah, that's uh, pretty interesting. I, there's some good data there, there definitely to look at. Yeah, so uh, with better AMS, why don't you explain a little bit about what you guys do and what services you offer? Well, we have offered one service for, I don't know if it's four or five years now. We just basically do the full advertising management on Amazon and Amazon only. So we primarily help seven to eight figure sellers in some cases, six figure sellers. Um, if we think they have great products and a lot of potential, but uh, yeah, full advertising management is what we do. It's a hybrid approach of, I call it a cyborg approach where it's half human, half machine. We have great people. You need great people. You can't just trust an autopilot software. You know, as much as I love software, with your PPC, you need a human being. You need someone in the cockpit in case there's a storm because the autopilot can't handle that freaking storm. So that's my beliefs on PPC. That's how we run and that's how we, uh, that's how we help our clients, basically. Nice. And, wh and where do you kind of see uh, Amazon advertising going in the future here? Like, what, what do you feel is either coming up, either good or bad? Well, I mean, if you think, if, if we can get teleportation figured out, shipping can be instantaneous across earth. So huge. I mean, massive potential. I think I wouldn't be surprised if Amazon figured that out. But no, seriously, I think that the potential for Amazon advertising is still in its infancy. Mm -hmm. uh, four years ago, it, I, it was literally a baby. It was just born. And now it's like, it's still like know, six months old relative to like a human being being born. Um, if you compare it to Google AdWords and you look at the actual like money that Amazon makes through their advertising relative to AdWords, I think it's only 5% or 6%. I don't know what the total is. Last time I looked was a year ago, but infancy, massive potential. We just got into the DSP, which is the demand side platform to do retargeting ads, which is such an interesting world. I mean, it's not PPC, it's CPM. So you're paying per thousand impressions. Yeah. It's not link through click, uh, it's view through conversion. So you're basically, the conversions are happening at the view level. So if someone sees the retargeting ad, 
and then purchase your product, they take attribution and credit for it, which is pretty standard in the retargeting world. I think Facebook and Google maybe do the same thing, but it's new for people on Amazon when they're used to the amazing pay-per-click. They know that that sale came from that link, but uh, it's long story short, it's only getting bigger and they continuously re releasing new ad types and new targeting options. And it's just getting better and better and better. And I, in my opinion, the biggest ad platform in the world. Um, yeah five to 10 years, I think it's just going to I agree sick. with you hundred percent. I mean, it used to be, everybody said to Google it right now. Now it's, you still can, right? I mean, you still do on certain still topics, can. but if it's anything to do with a product, people just go straight to Amazon and search it now. I mean, that that's just the way life is. It's definitely yes. changed. And then just to touch on one thing that you were talking about, just to explain to everybody a little bit, uh, just in case they haven't, they're not, not familiar with the understanding of what retargeting is. Why don't you just give them a little quick example of what retargeting is? Yeah, so if someone visits your listing page um, and they don't purchase, you can retarget them through DSP. Um, and that's as simple as it gets. It's retargeting on Amazon and off Amazon. So there's cool placements on Amazon. If you've ever seen an ad on Amazon where you're scrolling down and the image is almost like a GIF where like the product moves a little bit, that's a DSP ad. Regular sponsored product ads don't do that. Um, that's a DSP retargeting ads. Usually they happen right below the categories on the left-hand side of the page. If you search something and there's the categories and all that filter options, it'll be right there, a little slender ad, and usually it'll kind of move a little bit. But it is amazing. Retargeting ads is really exciting. We're super excited to have access to that DSP platform. It's a painful thing to get access to, but um, it, it's been amazing the last couple of months playing around with it. Nice. Yeah. I remember at one point I was actually in the beta retargeting for YouTube channels for Google and uh, oh. they, they weren't moving ads. Right. But it was one of those things that if somebody hit my YouTube channel, my YouTube channel was directly related to my actual website that yes. basically I could start hitting them with ads to come to my website to buy and then specific ads, depending on what video they hit. So it was Gorgeous. pretty cool. Yeah. That uh, is pretty, legendary. It was, it was pretty cool stuff. It was pretty cool stuff back then. And man made a ton of money on retargeting for sure in the early days. Well, so. DSP from what we've seen is looking like that, but it's not, we're not sure because of the whole view through conversion thing. And it's hard to measure the actual top line growth of a product because you might see a $10 ROAS, but like what, what's the actual top line growth? Um, yep. We're, we're still measuring that, that stuff to see just how much of a game changer it is for, for a business. So what's next for better AMS? What are more AI? Are you guys going to uh, extend into different areas of advertising or? The big thing is software. Uh, we have software, but we never really fully invested into an amazing development team that could build us some really uh, amazing stuff. I almost said a, a swear word, but a really amazing stuff. <laughs> and so, yeah, getting into just adding in like machine learning or AI, I think will be really cool. Um, and, and just having something that is very robust or in my opinion, much better than the stuff that's available on the market. The problem I have with the software that's on the market, we demoed pretty much every single Amazon advertising bid management uh, software in the market. And the issue is, is it's a black box and I cannot trust what is in the magical mystical black box because I don't understand how it works. And so they won't tell me because it's a proprietary algorithm and that's fine. I appreciate the hustle. I respect that, that your formulas are very important and your AI and how that all works. But at the end of the day, I can't trust that because I don't know how it works. So yeah. works, we have to build our own things sadly. <laughs> so Taylor, tell everybody, 
uh, kind of a two-parter. What did you do before starting Better AMS? And then what kind of what brought you to the point of starting Better AMS? Okay. Um, before Better AMS, I was in Belgrade, Serbia. I was 18 years old and I was uh, trying to begin the, the process of a successful career playing professional football, which is soccer yep. for people. Um, yeah. And so that was great. And then I came home after a heartbreak and just uh, decided, well, I'll get into business. And my, my dad bought a small little supplements company on Amazon for like, I don't know, 20 grand. It was a supplements company. This is back in 2016, I think, when the average cost per click on the word testosterone booster was like 20 cents. And you just, it's just like a license to print money. You bid on that thing and you're making money. It's just, so I thought I was amazing. I was like, wow, I'm so good at this. That's how Better AMS started. <laughs> and <laughs> nice. uh, yeah, right time, right place. And um, where we're going next, I guess, yeah, is just AI and more software and, and amazing people with a great culture. Um, That's awesome. It sounds like it you really have a great, great team there. Uh, how, how many people do you have currently uh, as part of your whole team? 13, maybe 12. I don't know for sure what the size is, but um, 13 or 12, mostly in the United States, Guatemala, Barcelona, and then a handful of people in the Philippines as well, four or five in the Philippines as well. Sure. Um, amazing team. We're, we're super blessed. I, I feel lucky to work with everyone I work with. Awesome. Couple more, just a couple more questions. Uh, uh, what do you think you would have done if you hadn't started Better AMS? You think it would have just stayed with the supplement thing, helping your dad or? Man, I would have launched a PL brand. I, I, I think that if, if I couldn't get the agency off the ground, I was in the process of doing it actually. And then it just kind of randomly happened. And then that PL brand just went off to the side and I never ended up doing it. So I think that's probably what would have happened. That's an interesting question. No one's ever asked that. <laughs> I try to keep it a little bit fresh, right? You know, you get on these shows and not everybody, uh, everybody likes to ask the same questions. I like to throw something a little different in. So that was a curveball. Nice, nice. Okay, so last question. Tell everybody how they get a hold of you, including the website and any information you want to share. Website is betterams.com and uh, getting a hold of me, you can just follow me on LinkedIn. I'm pretty active posting there. My partner, Destiny, with Sean is probably 10 times more known than me. She's, on, <laughs> she's everywhere and her LinkedIn's 10 times better than me. So she's actually probably a better person to follow. But yeah, you can just follow me on LinkedIn or message me there and I'll, I'll be able to get back to you. That's awesome. All right. Thanks again, Ta Taylor from Better AMS. Thanks for being on the EcomWiz podcast. I really appreciate it. Thanks for joining us this week on the EcomWiz podcast. Special thanks to our sponsor, FeedbackWiz.com. Be sure to use coupon code POD50 for 50% 50 off your first paid month with FeedbackWiz. Again, the code is POD50. Please subscribe to the podcast so you'll never miss an episode. Join us next week for more great tips to help Amazon sellers dominate the marketplace.